0: I'm excited today for more than one reason, and uh, the most important one is that the Lord has given us the greatest gift. Um, is the clicker there for, to change the... Maybe it's on the desk if you could grab it for me. Showing me my frailty. Uh, I normally change the slides myself and I don't have the clicker. I did grab it, but not up here. Uh, let's look to the Lord as we pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, we thank you for your mercy, we thank you for the gift of salvation, a gift that really grants us hope in this life, but eternal life. And we pray, Lord, for mercy, that each person that is here would just have a heart of joy as they remember the gift that you have given, but also a heart of obedience as you tell us to go and to preach the gospel to every nation and all creation, that we would have a heart to share your gift with others. We want to thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. We want to ask that you would bless the word and bless us with your spirit, that we would be obedient to live out the things that you have for us. We commit this time to you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 10, if you want to follow along. And I see this uh, part talking about salvation, that uh, Jesus is going to talk about the steps that we need to take to receive the gift of salvation, and also uh, how we need to share that gift with other people. I do believe uh, the most wonderful gift is salvation. Uh, I became a believer on December 23rd, uh, 1995, And for sure, it was the best Christmas I ever had, because uh, God changed my heart, and then I got to see the true meaning of Christmas for the first time. I remember singing, uh, just after I asked the Lord to forgive me, uh, I put in a CD into the player in the car. I was driving from one side of a rainbow to the other, and I put in a CD with the song Silent Night. And even though in elementary school, as a young child, I had sang that song, I didn't understand the words. But since I had just asked the Lord to forgive me my sins, to become my Lord and Savior, as I heard the words, I was like, oh, it's so beautiful, right? That uh, to the young, round virgin, which I never understood those words before, um, she received uh, the, the indwelling of Jesus himself, and then through that, Uh, We received our gift of salvation. Uh, One thing that we can say is that the scripture makes it clear we are all in need of salvation. That's what Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that everyone, all people, have fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, We have all sinned. But also, um, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, says we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So as we have received the gift, we're then to go and to share it. Um, When we say salvation, we're really talking about eternal life, um, that we don't have to be separate from God because of our sin, but through faith in Jesus, we're then received by God the Father. He sees us in His Son, Jesus, who didn't sin but paid for our sins upon the cross. And then we enter into his presence as our bodies die. We have the gift of eternal life. Today I want to talk about some ways that Jesus tells us to receive, some barriers why people do not receive, and then our motivation to share this gift with others. So we're in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 10, and verse uh, 13 and 14. It says... Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is of the kingdom of God. And we do have a small child with us today. And it's kind of nice, right, to hear the sound of uh, a small child and to hear the sound of life. The disciples, like maybe some of you, because you're not accustomed to hearing a small child, a little bit disturbed, right? And they're like, Jesus is too busy. He's too important. Uh, And they actually, it says, um, forbid that they would come, uh, rebuked the ones that tried to bring them. When Jesus saw it, I love the heart of Jesus, don't you? It says he was greatly displeased. He was upset. And he says, let them come to me. Do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. So our first understanding when we talk about receiving the gift is that we see that we have to come like children. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus even says, if you don't come like a child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, So a child, right, is one who trusts, uh, one who has faith. You know, when the parent says, we're going to eat today at five o'clock, The child doesn't question that. They're just like, "When is five (laughs) o'clock? Is that now?" And they're they're ready for it. They're believing the parents' words. And uh, we have to come into God's kingdom like a little child. And also, there's a phrase when we're talking about salvation. How do we come to receive the gift of salvation? Well, it says, "Come to me," Jesus says, "Come to me." And so uh, we're not bringing people to a set of laws. We're not bringing people to a building. We're bringing people to Jesus himself. Jesus is the only one who ever lived as a human, uh, still remaining his nature as God, and he did not sin, and then he gave his life on the cross for our sins. We come to Jesus for this gift of salvation. Uh, Continuing, it says, um, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Okay? Uh, Something else we see about salvation. It says this great word, whoever, right? It doesn't mean that there's some group of people, maybe in some society that they're living horrible and God doesn't want to save them. No, it says whoever. So anyone who has the heart to repent can receive the gift of salvation if they believe that Jesus died for their sins and rose on the third day. But it also says, whoever does not receive uh, the kingdom of God will by no means enter it. And so uh, this reminds us that the way, as Jesus himself said, the way is narrow, the way is straight. And there is one way, that is Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, meaning faith in Jesus. And uh, as we mentioned, we have to come as a little child. You could also say humble, right? Most small children, especially um, before they start talking, but (laughs) most small children are humble, aren't they? Uh, Before they uh, start uh, expressing their heart, uh, which the scripture says, everyone's heart is deceitful and wicked. We need a new heart. But Jesus, he was willing to receive the kids. Uh, can you picture it in your mind? It says he took them up in his arms and blessed them as he laid his hands upon them. Uh, if your parents or grandparents, uh, there is scriptural instruction, right, to bless your children and to bless um, your grandchildren. We were in a a communal farm in Israel, it's called a kibbutz, and we were invited to go to a Friday evening meal beginning the time of the Shabbat. Uh, Shabbat in Hebrew means the time of rest or cessation, you're no longer working. And the father uh, wearing his kippah, he says, I'm going to bless each of you. And so he went around to each person, including us, and he blessed us. And I thought, that is such a wonderful thing. Jesus took them up in his arms, laid his hands upon them, and blessed them. Uh, We need to stand for the truth of God, but we need to have compassion of Jesus. And many of us, we start to express the things that we don't like, and we forget that our mouth is supposed to be used to bless people, to encourage people, to share God's truth and his love. Verse 17, Now as he was going on the road... One came running. So this is a transition, right? He has blessed the children. He stands up. He's moving down the road. And probably from the city where he lived, uh, this young man comes running out on the road. And now you picture this in your mind, right? It's probably a dirt path. Uh, and he kneels before him, and he says to Jesus, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life. So first we can mention that kneeling is a form of worship. And some of us still as we pray, uh, we might kneel. Uh, Sometimes as you uh, praise God or sing worship songs, uh, you also might kneel. It's a form of worship. It's a form of surrender. Uh, The rabbis normally would not take any type of uh, compliment, and they for sure would not take any type of worship. And so we're going to see what this means, because Jesus uh, is called here the good teacher. And if you go back to the writings uh, during the time of the rabbis at this time, they wouldn't uh, be called good. Um, He asked the question, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? It's a good question, isn't it? Uh, Have you ever had anybody just like Uh, so focused upon their spiritual need, they say, what do I need to do that I would have eternal life? But the answer is that we ourselves cannot do something to fix our problem. Why? Because the problem is too great. Uh, The problem is this. God is perfect, and um, in his perfection, we can't just come before him on our own. Uh, the scripture uh, says, as for God, his way is perfect. And then Jesus himself says, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Does anybody match that level of perfection? No, it's like most of us are probably not even on the scale, right? We're like, But uh, I thought I had been living a good life when I was driving my car in Southern California in 1995. I thought, you know, never killed anybody. Uh, never had the desire to, you know, do all these bad things. I had never been drunk, but as soon as I realized who God was and that I had told lies as a child, I had stolen things, and all of a sudden I realized I need His forgiveness, right? And Jesus says, uh, if a person were to try to come before God, he would have to be perfect, and the Scripture gives us the understanding that we receive the gift of righteousness through faith in Jesus because Jesus did not sin as we believe the Father sees us through the Son. And in that way, uh, we have a perfect standing because of Jesus' perfection, not because of ours. Uh, In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 21, it's a parallel passage to what we're reading about this man who comes and kneels. Jesus says to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So his riches, his possessions, were like an idol for him. And to show him that he had an idol before God, Jesus says, if you really want to be perfect, go and sell it and give to the poor. But the real answer of how we have eternal life is the words of Jesus. Come, meaning after you've done this, come to me and follow me. We have eternal life and the gift of eternal life through following Jesus. Back in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, we still picturing this man kneeling before him, calling him a good teacher. And I mentioned it before, that kneeling is a form of worship. Jesus says to him after he says, good teacher, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. So we need to have the proper understanding. Jesus is not denying that he is good. Uh, What he's trying to do is to bring an emphasis that if you recognize that you're calling me good, then you also recognize that I'm equal with God the Father because God is good. And so he's bringing a connection that, yes, I am good, but it is because I'm one with God the Father. Uh, In Mark's Gospel, it says, He was going out on the road. One came kneeling before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal God? Then we see uh, Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. You know the commandments. So this section of how Jesus is discussing things with the young man is to help him to see his spiritual needs. And that is part of what we do when we share with a person is to help them to see that they do have a spiritual need. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Uh, So now we see an obstacle in receiving the gift, right? Um, What is the obstacle? He thinks that he's okay on his own. I have kept all of these things. But we know uh, that even if we were to keep all of the law, but we were to fail in one part, uh, that makes us guilty. Uh, James says it in this way in James chapter 2, verse 10 and following. Whoever will keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. Meaning, you're no longer perfect and you can't come before God based upon your standing of keeping the law because you have failed. The one who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as one who will be judged by the law of liberty. This is the understanding that Jesus fulfilled the law, and he gives us salvation as a gift. He gives us freedom from sin as a gift. And then this last phrase, and I think it's an important phrase. Listen to this, verse 13. For judgment without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we are not bringing the law to condemn a person, we're helping them to see you have a spiritual need and God's mercy that Jesus came from heaven and lived a perfect life and he gave his life for our sins, that mercy is stronger than God's judgment. Um, This man said, I have kept all these things from my youth. He thought that he had kept them. but. Jesus, when he was teaching in what we call the Sermon on the Mound in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he says there's also issues of the heart. It's not just outwardly keeping something. Uh, there's issues of the heart. Because if someone says, I never committed adultery, but Jesus says if you lust after another person and you're looking in a lustful way with your eyes, it shows that your heart is also wrong. If you've never physically killed somebody, but you've been so angry that you wish that they were dead, Jesus says that that is the same, and it's showing you that you need to have a change of heart. So he had said, I kept all these things. Uh, Jesus said, um, one thing you lack, right? So he's going to catch him in his focus upon his riches. And Jesus says to him in verse 21, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Um, The scripture doesn't say that it is impossible um, for a person who is rich uh, to receive the gift of salvation, but those riches don't save them. And Jesus is showing them as he says, you lack, sell the things that you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Um, so Jesus, it says, he looked at him and he loved him, and he said, you lack. I like that. Um, the scripture shows us our weakness, but we also understand the compassion of God. And if you are pointing out someone's error, someone's failure, do it with compassion. Uh, He loves us, but he is also correcting us. And the question for us, if we're believers, is are you willing to allow Jesus to correct you, to show you the things that you lack? Uh, Jesus also loved him and said, go. Uh, So Jesus loves us, but he also tells us what to do. And then the question for us as believers is, if this is God's will for your life, are you going like this, or are you allowing... God to align you with his will. Uh, Jesus loved him, but he also said to him, sell and give. So uh, he told him to do something. And I see it as Jesus confronting him and he confronts us with an idol. Um, And the question is, are you allowing Jesus to rebuke you? Is there something that is an idol? Um, I thought about it. I think probably at least five or six times. Mart and I have been where we've reduced our possessions to two or three suitcases apiece. right? And when you do that, you realize stuff isn't the main thing in your life. Um, and some of us, we're so focused upon our stuff, we're so focused upon uh, our plans and our way of making money that we don't see that we're making it an idol, and it's keeping us from being in contact with God. Jesus says to him, sell and give to the poor. Um, Maybe for you it's something else. Maybe it's the wrong attention to the Internet or something that you're watching on your mobile phone. And uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, Are you willing to receive the rebuke of Jesus? Hebrews chapter 12 says that if we're true children, we're not going to be discouraged when we're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, meaning he corrects in such a way to get us lined back with his will. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and he says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So then we see our true motivation isn't to be things of the earth. Paul says, uh, don't focus upon things of the earth, but instead focus upon things things of heaven. And Jesus motivates him not to live for the treasures of this world, but to be motivated by rewards in heaven. Um, do you know that that's okay? Jesus tells us more than one time that not to lay up treasures on earth, but to lay up treasures in heaven. That means that we are to be motivated. How we live now affects our eternity. And it is okay uh, Our true heart is to be a heart of love and compassion. But it's also, if I'm thinking, do I just lay on the couch the whole day or do I do something for the Lord, right? If I just lay on the couch and live for myself uh, and I'm not sick or something like that, then I'm not acquiring anything in the eternal perspective. But if I see my life as an instrument that God wants to use and that he wants to work through me, I also understand that he promises, though it's by his spirit, by his love and his grace, that he will reward us when we are faithful to him. And it's okay to understand that process and to live in accordance with it. If riches control our mind, are you willing to give those to the poor? And as you do it, you indicate that you're putting heaven as your priority. Uh, Was that man willing to? Verse 22 tells us the answer. It says, He was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus says to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? So, um, I look at it this way. God's love is greater than anything I can experience on this earth. And if he tells me to release something that is holding me back from experiencing his love, what he has for me is so much greater than what I release. And that's a key to live in victory. What God wants to give you is so much greater than anything he asks you to release. Some of you know, I was living a happy life on a sailboat uh, with a new car, and I met Marta in church, and we started to pray. And basically, God said, you know, there are people in another country that need message of gospel and we decided after we prayed to go to ukraine and over time we just gave away or sold all those things and i wasn't weaker or lacking because i gave something away i was stronger because i was that much more obedient and in connection to god jesus loved this man but he said come take up the cross and follow me Uh, So his barrier, and it's a barrier for many people, is idolatry, um, a love of money, or a love for self. And that's why Jesus says, if you want to enter into heaven, you need to take up the cross. In those days, nobody pictured wearing a necklace, right? They only pictured this process of dying, because the cross was a place that the Romans put someone to death and shamed them publicly, And Jesus is saying, you have to die to the old sinful nature and you have to choose to identify yourself with me as you follow me. The path of salvation is to come to Jesus, but it's also to die to the sinful nature. That's one of the reasons that we uh, are baptized is because we understand that the water, in a sense, represents the grave. As Jesus was laid in the grave, uh, he died for our sins, but then he came up out to live in victory, and we have to choose to identify with him. Jesus told him, one thing you lack, um, what would it be in your life if you heard the word of Jesus? Right, This thing you're lacking, this thing is not adequate, it's a barrier. And then he says, come, take up the cross and follow me. But that man was sad at his word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus comes to you, he says, hey, turn from this, or surrender that. What's your reaction? Are you sorrowful, or are you obedient? Uh, We're getting close to the end of this passage for today, but I want to make a few applications and read a couple more verses. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, the ones following him, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. So we see this word trust. Um, The scripture says we're to trust in God alone. Uh, Trust is to express complete confidence. Um, You think about a bridge right? If you could see uh, maybe cracks in the wood, or maybe it's just like a plank going across a stream or something, and you could see it bowing and flexing, and you put one step in and go, it's like, I don't think I'm going to go across that, right? You don't have the trust in it. But the Lord, he is completely worthy of all of our trust. It means to express complete confidence. You know, um, we have gone through many transitions of life, and God has been faithful to get us through every one. He is worthy of our trust. Um, this contrast, and it is a challenge in the United States. People put their trust in money and things that they can see, possessions. But Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and following, these are just phrases from what Paul wrote. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Having food and clothing, we shall be content. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So Jesus says it's hard for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. His disciples were astonished at this because in their culture, like in our culture, right? If you have millions or now even billions, it's just such a a big concept that someone could have billions of dollars. But we tend to honor those people, don't we? Oh, they've done so well for themselves. Wouldn't it be great to be their kid or their grandkid? You know, Don't have any worries in life. Well, those people still have worries. And unfortunately, a lot of those people uh, don't end their life well. The disciples were astonished. They said, um, you know, how is this? Jesus answered and he said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So they knew how big a camel was, and it was basically saying it's impossible, right? A camel can't go through. uh, People have different ways of explaining this eye of the needle. But the concept is this. It's impossible. Uh, You can't do it on your own. And so much more if you're trusting in riches. They were greatly astonished, and they said among themselves, Who then can be saved? Jesus answered, he says, With men it is impossible. Right? So it's not possible for any person you meet who is not a believer to save themselves. They need the good news, and you might be the messenger to get the good news to them. It is impossible for a person to save themselves. But with God... All things are possible, right? He gives that gift of salvation. So salvation is impossible for a person, but not with God. All things are possible for God. And isn't it great? Uh, Many of us, we can remember the exact moment when God changed our lives, changed our hearts. Uh, Our greatest need and the greatest need of the people around us is to be forgiven and to be restored with God so that we can be in his presence for eternity. I've seen enough people die, that you can see when a person has faith in Jesus and when they don't. And uh, when they have faith in Jesus, it's not like it's it's sad to say you're never going to communicate with them again on Earth. But it's not a sad thing; they're entering into the presence of the Lord. Um, after we receive God's forgiveness, we need to share the good news with others. And I mention it many times today. The good news is this that God saw us in our sinful condition. Everyone, every person is a sinner. And then he came up with a solution. He came from heaven to earth as Jesus, lived a perfect life to uh, fulfill all righteousness for us, and then he gave his life on the cross for us. And then as he was buried, after three days, according to the promise of the scripture, he raised from the dead never to die again. And so that is the good news, that we can be forgiven. Uh, and Jesus tells his disciples, and it's something that we can apply to ourselves as well, the end of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. In the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, All authority has been given to me. Who's in control? Jesus is in control, right? If we belong to Jesus, he is in control. And what does he say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So many times in different ways, we're told to go, share the gospel, make disciples. And part of that is to identify with the death uh, going into the water and the resurrection coming up out of the water of Jesus and do it in obedience. Um, I also want to say a couple of people today have prepared for baptism. If you are motivated and you haven't been, uh, we'll help you to get dry. And, uh, so, uh, there's no real, um, barrier. If you're a believer in Jesus and you have forgiveness, but you haven't been baptized, you can join us today. Uh, I'm excited. Like I said, because we're talking about the most wonderful gift and what do we do when we get a good gift? We talk about it, right? Or we share it. And, uh, that's what God wants us to do. Um, Let's pray that he'll motivate our hearts to be obedient to his commands and to be full of love as we share with the world that is in need of salvation. We want to say thank you, Father, that you saw us in our failures. You saw us in all of our sin, and you didn't leave us in that condition. But you came, Lord Jesus, from heaven to earth. You lived a perfect life which we could not. And then you paid the price that we deserve to pay as you died on the cross for our sins. And Lord, we want to thank you for the promise of eternal life. That to everyone who believes that we wouldn't be condemned, but that we would be saved. And you've saved us so that we can be your instruments, your ambassadors. We can represent you to others. And some of us, Lord, I just feel that some of us have allowed idols to come into our hearts or into our lives, and maybe you want to point out something into each one of our hearts that we lack, that we need to go and to do something to show that that idol doesn't have power over us, but that we are submitted to you. I just pray, Father, that if there's any person that has allowed an idol or uh, something to distract them from walking closely with you, that they would surrender it in this time, And if there's any person that hasn't received the gift of salvation, that they would open their heart to believe that Jesus died for our sins and resurrected on the third day. And we also want to ask, Lord, for your blessing upon Jenna and Tara as they identify with you through obedience as they're baptized in water today. Bless them and bless their families that have gathered with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.